0: and you can get an extra three months free expressvpn.com slash slash film.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Friday, March 29th, 2019. On today's episode, we're going to have the third and final installment of our Jordan Peele's Us Spoiler discussion. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Soretta, and joining me on this podcast is Slash Film Senior Writer Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? And writers. White hey, everyone. And Chris Evangelista. Hello, folks. Uh, Just a reminder, next week, Ben and I will both be at CinemaCon in Las Vegas. We'll be recording podcasts from there. So look forward to that. We'll get a ton of previews for the next year movies from the big studios there. And we'll be bringing it to you, uh, you know, maybe an hour time delayed onto this podcast. So uh, look forward to that. Uh, We have recorded a bunch of these. Spoiler discussions uh, for Jordan Peele's Us. I hope you're not sick of them just yet, but we've gotten, we asked for your emails and we got a ton of emails. So I wanted to get to some of the better emails that we we've received and also give HG a chance to, to share her interpretations as well, because she has not been on uh, the, the spoiler discussion podcast to, to talk uh, about us. So, uh, you know, fair spoiler warning here. We are going to, Dive into spoilers for Jordan Peele's Us. There's no reason to listen to this podcast without seeing that movie. And I would also highly recommend listening to our other two podcasts on this film. I, I think we've actually, at this point, recorded more in running time of talking about Us than the movie itself. Possibly. I don't know. Or at least by the end of this episode. So that's kind of crazy. Um, I know that's a little excessive, but this is this is a great movie for it. So, uh, Ichi, what what did you think of the film?
2: So, I don't have a single interpretation of us as much as a series of observations that I hope will cohere into something of an interpretation. Um... Interpretation-wise, I guess I would agree mostly with Jacob's take in that it's about systemic oppression of minorities and/or other people who are of lesser means, and how it's on the ber- the faults of both the system and us, and and us, and uh, of the and of the people themselves, and how that turn that can turn, in turn, make people into uh, monsters. And um, so, uh, going into my sort of observations. Um, I like how this film kind of taps into that primal, innate fear of the other and that fear of like having a monster wear your face, essentially. And it's something that made me think of uh, past cinematic depictions of the other. Uh, the movie that came, first came to mind after I saw us was Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which is a film in which um, these aliens come and invade uh And take over people's bodies as their hosts, and uh, slowly like take over the entire human race of humanity, and um, and also it kind of brought to mind the zombie genre in general. Both of these movies, like especially like uh, George Romero's Living Dead uh, series, and um, so both the Living Dead series and um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers are movies that kind of. Uh, deal with those fears of having your agency ripped from you, and again seeing like your own face in some in, that, in some sort of uncanny depiction of your own face in the eyes of the enemy or the the monster, and um, I think it was really interesting that both of these films uh, can take place. Um, an Invasion of the Body Statures came out in the 70s. Uh, the first Night of the Living Dead was in 1968, I think. Uh, those both kind of commented on or responded to different societal fears and unrests. Uh, the, the zombie genre especially kind of deals with um, fears of nuclear fallout and what will happen when uh, our bodies are basically, were helpless to um, have this sort of great... Um, disaster put put upon us and, uh, in invasion of the body snatchers, it takes place in the seventies when there is all the civil and societal unrest having to do with the Vietnam war and government, um, just kind of being untrustworthy for the first time. And, um, I like that in us, it deals with a different kind of societal unrest, but something that is a little bit familiar in that, uh, we cannot trust, um, or this, this, built-in distrust, I guess you would say. But in this case, uh, the, the fears, this unrest, is something that has been sort of built into our system, into our system um, in terms of just like the current political climate and everything. And uh, in, with us, it kind of flips that burden back onto us and makes us question whether we are the real monsters for reaping the benefits from the suffering of others who, um, in a sense, are the same as we are.
1: Yeah, I think that's, like, one of the clear uh, differences between this and, like, a zombie movie. Mm -hmm. And, Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, because I know you've probably seen a lot more zombie movies than me. But is there a zombie film where it is revealed over the course of the film that the zombies are the good guys and we are the bad guys?
3: I mean, you could argue uh, the later films in Romero's series, like uh, Day of the Dead, makes a big point of – making the humans look like absolute jerks and even uh, the the land of the dead too makes a big deal of having like yeah. uh, Dennis Hopper plays this uh, Donald Trump inspired character. Who's just a complete jerk. And you know, we're supposed to actually have sympathy for the zombies, but it, it is rare in, in most cases.
2: Speaking of the zombie, I do want to say that the origin of the zombie mythology actually stretches back to um, Haiti and Haitian slaves who believed that um, who, believe that they would uh uh when dying would be released back to this kind of afterlife in which they'd be free and then um the zombie the idea of the zombie was kind of their response to their uh subjugation as slaves so that might be sort of an interesting way of tying back to us huh. in a
1: way yeah that is interesting um Chris, I know you listened to. There was this Jordan Peele gave this in-depth spoiler interview on uh, Empire Magazine's podcast, which I'll link in the show notes. But there's a couple of things in there that uh, observations you saw that you wanted to relay.
3: Uh, yeah, well, one thing he pointed out, which I feel almost like an idiot for not really catching, was you know with the whole uh, they asked about the rabbits specifically, and Jordan Peele was talking about how he he saw the film as sort of this like dark allegory for easter which uh again i i feel like a, a dope for not really picking this up but he uh the exact quote i read down he said is uh this movie is sort of a dark easter it is a rising of a messiah after a metaphorical death of sorts and uh that's a really neat uh thing i, I love that idea like you know uh red or i guess Ad- adelaide whatever you call her you know rises up yeah. from uh, you know, a metaphorical tomb, so to speak. and To and,
1: so uh, almost start and, a religion, basically. Right,
3: exactly, yeah. And uh, that's a really neat thing. Um, some other things... Uh, and by the way, re- if
1: people are complaining on Twitter that basically us is ruining Easter for them. Because <laughs> well. the rabbits and everything, yeah. <laughs> uh,
3: uh, some other stuff is he revealed that the, the official name of the underworld, underground uh, world that we see is the underpass, so... If you want to give it an official name out there, people, that's what you should call it. Um, And another thing he put out, which is something I actually said on the last uh, spoiler discussion we had about this that I was on was that, you know, the big speech that uh, Red gives um, at the end where she's talking about how human, like, you know, other humans created the tethered and, you know, it was part of this big government experiment and all that stuff. Um, Jordan Peele says like, basically that that's not necessarily a true story. That's just something that character happens to believe, but there could be a chance that, you know, that's not entirely accurate. And I I love that, you know, ambiguous nature of it, because uh, like I said before, the only scene I don't like in the whole movie is that scene, because I don't like that. They try to explain what's going on and knowing that, you know, even though that is an explanation scene, it, it may not even be true. That makes me feel much better about that scene as a whole.
1: She is a bit of an unreliable narrator. I could totally see that. And that uh, I wonder what the explanation would be if it's not what she relayed. Uh, has anybody else here read any interesting articles or heard anything from Jordan Peele that could provide some insights?
0: Uh, I read this article this morning from Jenny Yamato at the L.A. Times that I think is worth reading for anybody who is listening okay. to this, who's who's obviously seen the movie and cares enough about it to listen to our third spoilers discussion about <laughs> it. There's, there's a bunch of really good stuff in there, um, one of which is that uh, Jordan Peele talks more specifically about the underpass. He says, as far as the location where they come from, which is called the underpass, I don't tell you how large and expansive it is. And in my mind, it is quite large and expansive. I won't give the borders, but there are means down there. And that, I guess, could Hmm. speak a little bit to what we were talking about on the podcast yesterday about um, how he has the mythology in his head. He has answers for... You know the practical questions that people are wondering about and he just chose not to spell out everything in this movie and leave a little bit more up to interpretation. So uh, it seems like he's he's certainly thought about how life functions uh, down in the underpass. Um, he also talks about how. Let's see. His quote here is the realization that our villains in this are a cult or fanatics and violent fanatics who are on a day to day level engaged in some sort of unimaginably crazy seeming behavior was about the realization that you could say the same thing about the other world, about us, that we as Americans, as the United States, we are fanatics as well. And we are violent so that that I mean, you know, we've t- we've talked about in the past about how red says specifically, we are Americans when Gabe asks them, you know, who they are. And I think that, that idea that as a country, we are violent and, and we are fanatics as a whole. um, You know, that's something that, that we tend to uh, not like to think about ourselves, but is true in like a, a demonstrable way. So um, I think that's part of the larger point to this movie is like turning the, the gaze back around on ourselves.
1: Yeah, and he also uh, kind of gave given gave more credence to some of your theories in that initial article and podcast, uh, talking about how us was inspired by kind of the division and xenophobia that he observed in this post-election America, and how um, the feeling that we all feel like we are the good guy in our own story prevents us from facing our our demons, is his actual quote, which I think is kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, okay, we have a lot of emails to get to in the mailbag. Uh, we got so many insightful emails here, uh, some of them uh, reaching quite a bit, some of them very uh, providing some very interesting insights. We can't get to them all, but we're going to try to get to some of the more interesting ones here. I'll first bring up one from Brian T., he found this on a reddit thread which i was unable to find so i'm not sure but we we talked yesterday or no on the last podcast uh spoiler podcast about how uh you know the the people from the what is it not underground uh the, the, underpass. the underpass the people from the underpass were all wearing one-handed gloves like the thriller t-shirt that uh she wins in the beginning of the the movie um, in that flashback uh, he, he there's this thing on reddit talking about the symbolism of thriller which didn't really uh, i didn't really even make a connection here but he says uh the thriller music video plot kicks off with dead rising from the underground and attacking uh michael jackson in his date in the end michael jackson uh and his date think that they're safe but they get a look right at the camera with a creepy smile from Michael Jackson, revealing he's secretly one of the monsters, much like we get from um, Adelaide at the end of this huh. film.
3: That's so neat because I know exactly what they're talking about, and that's another thing I feel like an idiot for missing. But that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, I nice. Like that a lot.
1: Yeah, there's. Uh, he thought so much about the s- stuff he included in this film. It like he's just such a thoughtful uh, filmmaker and creator. Um like
3: I I feel like I even though this come... isn't oh. sorry. You, you want to go ahead or me? No, you go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say like even though this isn't the same genre, I I I feel like this is going to be like uh like a, a Blade Runner situation or even like The Shining, which is a horror situation where like 20 years from now people are going to be making like documentaries about all the crazy theories they picked up about this movie because they're just, it really is like the shining how like there's so many different layers to so many different things in the movie that there's stuff that one of the things I thought was funny actually on that empire podcast is Jordan Peele himself was like, there's stuff that he himself actually doesn't really remember because there's just so much stuff in the movie. So I just love that. How detailed this movie
1: is. Is If you were going to say something.
2: Yeah, also that Michael Jackson tie-in with um in the film comes kind, kind of comes at a timely time, you yeah. know, with the with the documentary and everything and how Michael Jackson in himself is not the the person that we expected him to be, or rather is a monster into of himself. So hmm. I thought that was interest that was just interesting timing to to take place.
1: Yeah. Um he also Brian also mentions I think this is a more obvious comment, but the doppelgangers Uh, Bore the scars from the actions of the people above them. Uh, This refers to the way we pass down our problems from upper class to lower classes, such as with climate climate changing or or climate change, uh, mostly impacting poorer communities, while rich people can afford to avoid the climate uh, the impacts of that, Uh, even though there's something they are causing to get worse. So you know, obviously the burns on the little boy doppelganger are because of him mirroring the our world version of him playing with the lighter toy and obviously we saw you know elizabeth moss's doppelganger cutting into her face just like her uh real life version was you know doing plastic surgery so um i i think that's probably something we we all probably saw here
0: yeah, and there, there's something in here that I feel like maybe we should, I'm not sure if we were going to address this uh, later in the podcast, but maybe we can just jump ahead to it right now, which is the the, uh, the notion of Jason, the little boy, um, potentially like burning the doppelganger version of himself, um, and I, I think we've all seen this theory uh, floating up, and I don't remember if we talked about it in the previous spoiler episode or what, but that that there could have been a switch made between those two characters. Oh, Peter, do you know that, what I'm talking about,
1: right? Yes, that is actually uh, what we're getting to in our next question from uh, or our next email from Jacob C, because we mentioned this on the last podcast, which Ben, I don't think you were part of the la- the last one. I, I don't I can't. I don't know. I can't keep it um, straight anymore. <laughs> but Chris Chris brought up this theory that's been going around online that when Jason goes missing on the beach and he sees that guy with the bloody hand, which, you know, he, that is basically the doppelganger from uh, the 11 guy, right? Um, mm-hmm. he, that he is replaced at that point. And that at the end of the movie, there is a realization that look to Adelaide or – yeah, Adelaide um is because there's a recognition that, you know, he has been, he is not the same kid. Um And we, we kind of like, as much as that theory was interesting at the time, it doesn't really make much sense because if you had switched within that one day period, I think we would have noticed that the, you know, Jason wasn't talking and, you know, it just didn't make much sense. But uh, this letter actually comes from Casey N from Utah, and they have a clarification about the theory of Jason actually be being one of the tethered. They say that I don't necessarily subscribe to the theory, but there's an explanation that makes a lot more sense than Jason and Pluto switching on the beach in the bathroom. Uh, they claim that the, the the time of the switching happens the year before. The last time that the family was at the beach house, Gabe mentions offhandedly that Jason has been acting differently since his grandma died. The grandma's death doesn't necessarily have anything to do with it, but him acting strange could be an indication. If I remember correctly, Jason says the magic trick with the lighter was left at the house and he didn't have it for an entire year. I don't really have a good explanation about this, but it seems like something something weird uh, happened a year prior, and considering the layers upon layers of detail that Jordan Peele put into this movie, it seems more than a coincidence. So I wanted to ask you guys, do, do you think it's possible that, you know, after they went to the beach house, after the grandma died to, you know, pack it up or, or whatever, that something could have happened then and replaced Jason with Pluto? Uh... It, might, it
2: might be a stretch, because it's something that happens off screen and that was like, again, an offhand mention. So I don't know. I mean, I thought this theory was a little bit uh, thin to begin with because I, I always thought that the the glance that they share at the end was more of him realizing that um, Adelaide was red and not of them sharing some sort of like kinship in that they are both tethered or something. So, but- You know it's it, strange, by the way,
1: reading so many reviews and listening to podcasts about this, people- have different assumptions about that last moment and it's not even like oh this is what i thought it meant it's like no this is what it is do you know what i mean like like they definitively like on the slash homecast they definitively thought it was i forget what exact thing but it's just interesting that people are reading that in a completely different different ways of who is recognizing who or what what that means mm-hmm. um but uh, I, I do want to mention that Casey does mention that Jason was building sand tunnels, not sand castles on the beach, that uh, Red also seemed to handle Jason with more respect than the other members of the family, and she told Zora to run, but was content with Jason playing uh, with Pluto. Um, but he does point out, or they they point out, rather, uh, that some holes in the theory as to why... The heck, Pluto runs around on all fours. This theory only allows Pluto one year to adjust to the tunnels. That seems like a weird uh, quirk to pick up in that time.
3: Yeah, and also, like, I, I, I've said this before, but, like, if you go back and pay attention to everything uh, Lupita Nyong'o's character is doing throughout the movie, it really does line up with the fact that, you know, she has some sort of knowledge that she, you know, is, the you know, a switched person, whereas... Uh, you know the the, the nor- quote unquote normal kid never acts like that at all. Like through the whole movie, and I just it just doesn't work for me. At the same time, if Jordan Peele said that was the case, I wouldn't be a hundred percent surprised because it just seems like there's so much going on here that we might not get.
0: Yeah, and I've seen people talk about how like the reason that the kid has burnt that Pluto has burns on his face is because like the the year before, uh, Jason was flicking that. You know, like he's constantly playing with that toy and like he's holding it near his face and like maybe uh, just because it doesn't light up in the above ground world, it does light up in the underpass and he's been like inflicting this damage on the other version of the kid. But like if that switch happened, then it would have it would only have been a year ago when that happened and like. That damage on his face looked like it had been there for a lot longer than that to me.
1: Um, but but it would, a... but it would prevent Jason from talking. Do you
0: know what I mean? Uh, I guess that's true. Yeah. And the other thing about this that I that I just realized when we we're talking about when we we're having this discussion is like, does this mean that Lupita Nyong'o's character has been to this beach house before? Because if so, why is why is this the time that? She's acting strange and and feels um, well, she, unnerved she, by being there.
1: She must have been there before, because well, unless they went without her, right? Right. Because
0: what, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think the movie explicitly says either way, but I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm just wondering what is it about this particular summer that uh, you know? D- does the movie give any indication, any indication of like?
1: I mean, she does see that guy being wheeled into the, you know, the dead guy being wheeled into the ambulance with the 1111 sign, which I'm sure triggered some memories, right? Yeah, it was like before they even got into town. Oh, yeah, she, she was also was... Yeah, freaking out. Yeah, she didn't out.
2: want to go to the beach in the first place.
0: Yeah. Here's the I don't know. <laughs> it's,
3: the, it's the beach itself she didn't want to go to, not the house. Yeah, so...
0: the house
2: she was fine with, but the beach itself was
0: because it oh, that was where the
2: switch took
3: place. Yeah.
0: That's right. That's right. I guess that's true. I guess maybe the house is like just far enough away from the Santa Cruz boardwalk, and the boardwalk itself is the is the place of trauma. So that's that's probably right, I, I guess maybe in the past they just hadn't gone to that beach i don't know yeah, yeah there
1: there is a comment that like we have a beach in the backyard and he's like that's not a beach that's a bay or something like that like, right it, making it you know obviously it's it's part of that have nots uh mm-hmm. concept but i did want to ask you guys i i have watched this movie twice and i do agree with crest that you do see in Lapita's reaction as adelaide um everything makes sense but i'm, I'm wondering especially with you Chris, do you think Red's reactions make sense? Because I feel like once she shows up there, she should be kind of like, I'm back. Or, you know, being saying, saying something that is of from her viewpoint. And I feel like we never get that at that point, in the, like early in the film. I think the best
3: indication of that is that story she tells about, like, you know, the princess and she gets to do all this yeah. stuff. And, like, at the time, I didn't really ascribe much you know uh, weight to that story but after you know I the twist at the end I went back and like replayed that story in my head and like you, you know when you look at it from a whole new angle it is this like you know moment when you're like, oh this character is talking about how she had like everything stolen from her basically and this other person took her life um at the same time I'm sure there's stuff I miss, like, I really have to see this again. I, and, uh, yeah. I'm probably gonna have to wait till Blu ray because I won't have time, but, uh, I'm sure there's, there's something else that
1: gives it away. Yeah, for sure. Let's move on to our next email. This is from Jacob C. from Mississippi, and he writes in, uh, talking about all the, uh, you know, 80s horror movie references that we mentioned. And one of the references I think Chris mentioned on the last podcast was of that, um, that Fun House, which has, a you know, had a Native American outside and it was about kind of Native American culture. Um, Jacob says that he started thinking about this more and thought that this movie may be trying to say at least par- partially about that part of America, about the sins that this country has buried The Native American on the front of the Hall of Mirrors at the beginning and how it's portrayed almost as past myth or fantasy, Merlin later on. This also would help explain the whole Hands Across um, America statement the tethered ones were trying to make. You can't stand across America and try to make a statement about something without the past and the sins you've committed linked to you, holding hands along with you. Any thoughts on that? (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I think Chris said the, almost exactly that same thing, except for the handsome across America part. Yeah. Uh, on the the most recent episode, yeah, it's a really good observation. I like, um, you know, that's one of those little things that you probably would miss the first time through is noticing that the the boardwalk Funhouse has been rethemed over the years. But again, I, I certainly don't think that that's a. Uh, you know, a mistake on Jordan Peele's part. Yeah, I like
2: that reading a lot. And I think, yeah, it's all very intentional and um, something that he, Jordan Peele, is um, referring to because he doesn't say that it's about race particularly, but it is about many things. And I think Native Americans being forgotten a lot of like these racial discussions um, are a particularly like important part of that.
1: Um, Stephen P. writes in, he's wondering if Peele named the family Wilson as a nod to... Pose Dark Doppelganger Tale w- William Wilson uh, the the tale spoiler alert ends with William stabbing his dark twin and then seeing the bleeding victim in the in a mirror. It says quote in me didst thou exist and in my death see the see by this image which is thine own how utterly thou hast murdered thyself. Um, so I'm wondering, do you guys think that's intentional at all? Or is this a a reach? Huh?
0: I have never read that, uh, that story or poem. Um, Chris, are you familiar with Poe's work on, on that level? I am, but some, I'm not familiar
3: with this, but I wouldn't be surprised if it did inspire. At the same time, Wilson is a very, you know,
0: common name. Yeah, H.D., very you're, American you're, a, name. you're very literary, H.D. Do you, oh, do you know Poe's work very well?
2: I know some of them, but not this one in particular. But, it, I mean, from what it sounds like, I wouldn't be surprised if Peel had gone this deep down and decided to name the family he Wilson because of this.
1: Uh, the next email comes from Mahesh K. And they write in... Talking about how to them, the rabbits represent like this movie kind of has to do with incarceration and the rabbits represented that we see them first in cages um, representing the incarcerated. And then even as they are freed, their lives basically consist of being food for the tethered or just aimlessly wandering around the tunnels of the tethered, not really functioning in a society um, you know there is that one line in the beginning of the film that's on screen that uh, that leads to that too. The the red jumpsuits while were likely purposely selected by Red or I guess Adelaide and the tethered for their demonstration reminded me of prison jumpsuits and finally the uprising and demonstration itself. Uh, I I would have to say that this definitely there definitely is some shades of some incarceration in prison here. What do you guys think?
2: Yeah. This occurred to me, too, actually, and how this could have this movie could have stood for the prison industrial complex. And um, I mean, it's also another uh, sort of community uh, of people who are uh, oppressed in some way and systematically oppressed and how we have the the prison pipeline that we see with a lot of uh, minority communities as well. So that that's a reading that I actually agree with a lot.
1: Yeah, and there's more to all these emails. We're just reading snippets. So if you want to read all the emails, check out the show notes. I'll include the whole things there. Uh, Martin writes in that he noticed that there were 55 cages in that opening shot of the rabbits. Assumption, knowing that nothing in this movie was done by accident everything is intentional. I think that the multiple uh, themes that have been discussed on your podcast – And in the wild can all be grouped into uh, morality of man and the attempt to build a society under human law slash rule versus nature. And that nature doesn't care what man thinks or what cute cute constructs we come up with to live in peace. Um, He theorizes that if you count the cages and the dimensions 5 by 11, that is 11-11 again. Or fifty-five cages per block. If you're familiar with the Fibonacci sequence, fifty-five turns out to be the tenth oh step in the series. <laughs> and the Fibonacci sequence is where you take the first number. Uh, okay, this is way uh. too complicated. Do you do you think <laughs> do you think uh, Jordan Peele and his you know production designer are referencing the Fibonacci sequence when designing the rabbit cages? Oh man, I don't know. Like this. <laughs>
3: <laughs> this feels exactly what I was talking about. Like there's that documentary room two, three, seven, which is all about the shining and all about these really out there theories. And that's what this, this movie is going to turn into. Cause this is definitely one of those theories where, I have no idea how to prove this. I have I have no thoughts on
0: this at all. I don't know. I'm I'm laughing because I didn't come up with it myself, but I also like okay. would not be completely, you know, surprised if if yeah. that turns out to be true. I mean it's just it's like I love how people are thinking about this on such a next level way. Like yeah, I never would have come up with that in my yeah, life. And by but, the way, uh, Martin
1: Martin goes on to have a whole reasoning why he yeah. believe or they believe this. So, you know, you can Honestly, read that in the yeah. show notes.
0: This
2: is galaxy brain thinking. It reminds me a lot of um of when I when I was in the heat of watching Lost and every episode would come would come with like forums and
1: pages of oh, yeah. recaps. If they're and, reading and a book, if there's a book yeah. in the background, then that has to mean something.
2: Exactly. And often sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't, but that's the fun of it.
1: Yeah. That, that's the fun I have with Westworld, even though I didn't love season two. Um, I love when you can dive into things like at this degree. Uh, but that brings us to the end of today's Slash Home Daily. I don't expect that we're going to do another uh, spoiler discussion podcast. But if you do have any additional thoughts, send it to us at peter at com. You can find this podcast published every weekday on iTunes, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. And please head on over to our iTunes page, write us a five-star review, tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you on Monday. Was there anything you guys didn't talk about us through these three discussions that we might have missed?
2: Well, I don't. I never. I didn't get to talk about this, but there is a great Twitter thread. I don't know if you guys saw this, where it talks about double consciousness, and um, this is a something that was um, inspired by W. E. B. Du Bois. Uh, sort of writing is about double consciousness and the two-ness of black people who are both hunted and haunted by their perceptions of themselves, by what white people think of them and what they think of themselves. And uh, I thought that was really interesting.
0: Yeah, I just I heard that theory talked about on the New York Times is uh, still processing podcast, which is mm-hmm. really great. And you guys should listen to it. If you don't, um, if you're if you're podcast listeners uh, yourselves, you should check that one out. But they talked about that. They mentioned that there. That was the first time I'd ever heard about that theory. And yeah, I think that you can certainly read into that
1: for yeah. sure well maybe we can find those and put those links in the show notes so people could uh check them out
2: i will yeah. put the, the twitter thread that i was talking about um i'll put it here and the other articles mentioned
3: oh,
1: okay guys we're officially closing the book on us Yeah. until they make the f-sequel that 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 Chris doesn't want to happen yeah no <laughs> okay have a good weekend guys everybody bye Talk to you later. bye